Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In this dream state angelic visitation, Joseph is told the name that he and Mary are to give their child once born, and the name is Jesus. Names are powerful. The Bible is full of reminders of the importance and power of names. When someone in Scripture, when their mission or character changes, often so does their name. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. We pay a great deal of attention to what we name our children, because we know that names carry identity. Giving a child a name has a powerful influence on them for the rest of their life. Contemporary culture recognizes the power of naming. Remember in the Harry Potter books and movies, the characters are not supposed to say the name Lord, I mean, he who shall not be named. It is a scriptural truth that Rawling was building upon there. The Bible reminds us that invoking a name brings with it a certain power. This is taken so seriously that taking a name, using a name, invoking the name of God has its own commandment. As the third commandment, prohibits us from invoking or calling upon God's name in vain or for selfish purposes. And when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Ancient peoples have known that to pronounce or to invoke a name doesn't just say something, it does something. In the field of linguistics, if you will nerd out with me here for a few minutes about the English language, in the field of linguistics, there's something called the explicit performative utterance. The explicit performative utterance is like any other sentence in the English language. An explicit performative is a sentence whose utterance itself, when said under appropriate conditions, brings about the state of affairs that it signifies. In other words, saying the words accomplishes what the words say. An example is when the chairperson of a meeting says, the motion carries, or the meeting is adjourned. Or when an umpire says, play ball. A less happy example is when a supervisor says, you're fired. Under certain conditions, when certain words are said by certain people, the very action of saying the words accomplishes, actually accomplishes what the words say. 
by the explicit performative utterance, the very pronunciation of words, a meeting is at that fact is in fact at that moment ended. A game does in fact at that moment begin. An employee no longer has that job. In today's gospel, we see that Joseph and Mary are to name their son Jesus, and we're told that the name of Jesus means he will save. And that Jesus' birth is the fulfillment, the filling full of the prophecy of the prophets of Emmanuel. This will be a birth, this will be a life, which means God is with us. To know Jesus' name is to know who Jesus is. The name Jesus, in other words, is an explicit performative utterance. Who Jesus is is what Jesus does. Savior. If Jesus is the Savior, what does it mean to save? Well, the Greek word for save, sodazo, can mean save, keep from harm, rescue, heal, liberate. You can be saved from drowning or sickness. You can be saved from slavery or bondage. You can be saved from sin, from the power of evil. And this talk of salvation, this talk of being saved, is important to remember because, as we know all too well, we human beings have a tendency to get ourselves in a mess. We are created in the image of God to love and serve God. There is a God-shaped hole inside each of us that only God can fill. But we spend so much of our time, so much of our energy, so much of our life running away from that truth, resisting that truth. As the theologian William C. Plaker puts it, we try to find fulfillment in things other than God. Things like wealth, fame, success. But none of these things finally satisfy because they do not fill the God-shaped hole inside of us. We are meant to be in relationship with God, but we have wandered off on the wrong path. We cannot figure out what shape our life should take. We carry around secret fears. We know how deep our hidden flaws are, how much more we could do to help others, how much we fall short of the mark. We wonder what, if anything, awaits us after we die. But Jesus is the Savior. Jesus offers us hope that gets us past our failures and fears. What we are reminded of each Advent is Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, not God above us, not God indifferent to us, not God against us, not God scolding us or impatient with us or disappointed in us. Those are all human projections onto God, and they take God's name in vain. They do not hollow God's name. Rather, what we are invited of each Advent is Emmanuel. God with us. God among us. God concerned and attentive. God for us. 
God understanding and patient and delighting in us. That is the God revealed in Jesus. And anyone who tells you otherwise has their own power issues and agendas. Jesus' very name means and brings sodism, salvation. Do you get that? Have you received that early Christmas present? That invoking, saying, pronouncing the name of Jesus is an explicit performative utterance? Under certain conditions, you're helpless, you're feeling unsure, you feel like you're slipping or falling or overwhelmed. When under those conditions, when you pronounce certain words, Jesus, please help me. And when those words are said by certain people, God's beloved children, you and me, individually and collectively, when that happens, the very action of saying the words, please help me, the very action of saying those words accomplishes what the words say. Divine action is put into play. Things shift. Things shift, sometimes outwardly and noticeably and rapidly. Things shift sometimes inwardly, in our perspective, and over time. But things do shift. And they shift when we call upon God's name, when we invoke God's name, when we draw upon the power of God's name. I said last Sunday that this Advent and this Christmas are not what we are accustomed to. But again, as the author Lisa Cressman reminds us, that doesn't mean that this Advent and Christmas aren't normal. Chaos and turmoil, economic and other kinds of uncertainty, would-be tyrants abusing their power, personal frustrations and disappointments and doubts of voice crying out or up, what did I do wrong? God, where are you in the middle of all this? Do you care? All that is, in fact, even if it's not what we are accustomed to, it is normal. That is where God acts. That is where God enters in. In such times, God's reign of justice and mercy broke in, and in such times, God's reign of justice and mercy break in. Christians rejoice at Christmas time not because we've had a good or a successful year, not because of the gifts we give or receive, pleasant and enjoyable as an experience as that can be. Christians rejoice not even because we're surrounded by loved ones, which is a good thing to remember this year because so many of us will not be surrounded by loved ones. No, Christians rejoice at Christmas time because Emmanuel. God is near. God has entered in. These stories remind us that God can be found not away from the doubts and uncertainties and hustle and bustle of our lives, but in the very midst of them. Jesus, we call upon your name here today. Remind us that these closing days of Advent and this Christmas season Remind us that it is you that we see. Let these holy days bring us closer to you.
Jesus, do what you do best. Save us from what besets us by filling us with your love. Fill us with your purpose, enlighten and embolden our lives, that we may be light and encouragement to others. Help us to incarnate, to live out your love in our daily lives. For you are Emmanuel, God with us.